welcome to another episode of the Medieval Podcast, your one-stop shop for weekly updates and news and reviews of movies, TV, music, and video games, but not necessarily in that order. My name's Mike. His name is Matt. My name is Matt. His name is Mike. Welcome to another edition of the Medieval Podcast, where we talk about all the stuff you just said. Today is June the 25th, 2022. This is episode 337, and uh, we're in the summer, baby. It is heating up over here. It is getting warm, getting your swimsuit on. You got your Hawaiian shirt on. We are living the summer lifestyle. You know it's summertime when the weather is heating up and the news is drying up. Yes. (laughs) It's going to be a little bit of a slow one today, but we have some cool things to talk to you guys about nonetheless. So uh, why don't we just get started? Yep, and we start with the music section, where we start the music section with the billboard. Yes. And we start the billboard with the Hot 100. What's hot? Oh, as it was once again, as it was <laughs> as it was last week, as it was the week before, and as it was the week before, <laughs> Harry Styles, as it was, number one. Yep, still. Yep, still. Uh, at two, First Class by Jack Harlow, but really it's Fergie. <laughs> no. uh, yeah, number two, First Class by Jack Harlow yeah. Coming in at three, Wait For You by Future But really it's Drake uh, Coming in at four, jumping up to four It's About Damn Time yep. by Lizzo And get, reaching the U.S. Billboard Hot 100 in the top five It was number four last week, so it's already uh, been a week on the chart uh, I thought yeah. it was the week. No, they swapped after. Lizzo and and oh, they swapped. All week. right, running up that hill. <laughs> yes, yeah, a deal with God by Kate Bush. <laughs> Forgot about that. I still think of the UK charts where it's still number one right. over there. It's been stuck in my head for two weeks and it will not escape. Anyway. It's okay. Uh, once Stranger Things is over, we no longer have to talk about Stranger <laughs> Things. Ooh, which reminds me, I need to have an argument with someone later today about why I don't like Stranger Things. All right, well. Not here on the podcast, <laughs> just in real life. Yeah, look forward to that. <laughs> uh, as for your Billboard 200, your albums chart. Yes. At number one, Proof by BTS, because BTS Army. Yeah, they showed up. Yep. At two, Un Verano Sinti by Bad Bunny. Coming <laughs> at three, Harry's House by Harry Styles. At four, 12 Carat Toothache by Post Malone. And rounding out your top five, I Never Liked You by Future. And expect to see Drake at number one next week. I was about to say that. If you're yeah. wondering where Drake was, which we talked about last week. Next week. It's going to come out next week. But if you didn't like any of those albums or didn't like Drake's album, we have new yeah. releases, including Love, Damani by Booma Boy. Burna Boy. That's an R and an N. That is a M. That is an R and an M. That is an M. <laughs> You're an M. Zoom in. There you go. Oh, there it is. Wow. <laughs> so that is Boomba Boy. Burna Boy. Boomba Boy. Whatever. Burna Boy. Uh, we also have Tremblers and Goggles by Rank by Guided by Voices. That sure sounds like a name of an album by Guided by Voices. Uh, Jazz Code by Moore Mother. And Electrified Brain by Municipal Waste. Oh, Municipal Waste. Yep, just take it out the trash there. <laughs> so let's get to our music news, shall yeah. we? And we start with a little bit of crossover with the movie section. As 
legendary composer John Williams yeah. has hinted again that Indiana Jones 5, the upcoming Indiana Jones film, might be his last film. Oh, yeah. Um, for those of you who don't know or are completely new to the scene, John Williams, Oscar winning composer, behind the scores of Jaws, Star Wars, E.T., and more, actually, uh, recently teased in an interview that it might be his time for him to hang it up. Quote, at the moment, uh, this is John Williams, quote, at the moment I'm working on Indiana Jones 5, which Harrison Ford, who is quite a bit younger than John Williams is, <laughs> um, I think he announced that it will be his last film. So, this is John Williams thinking, I thought, if Harrison can do it, then perhaps I can also. At this point in life, it's a long commitment to me, um, pointing out the fact that you need a six-month commitment for blockbuster films, and John Williams recently turned 90. So, yeah, a nine-month commitment for a 90-year-old, maybe yeah. it's time to hang it up. Um, but he, uh, the five-time Oscar winner did make it clear that he wasn't going to close the door on music fully. He said, quote, I don't want to be seen as a categorically eliminating any activity. So a couple things happening here. So basically, we also found out from this story and was, I think, confirmed that, yeah, Harrison Ford's done mm -hmm. after this. And rightfully so. Uh, the man has slowed down, let's say, in the <laughs> last decade of his acting career. And um, it's been a rough to watch. He can't do uh, the action stuff anymore. No, and so to see him wrap up with the final question mark Indiana Jones film will seem fitting, and mm -hmm. for John Williams to do that alongside him makes a lot of sense. But honestly, the one takeaway that I have bigger than anything else from this is like it's mm -hmm. very funny listening to a ninety-year-old be like, "I don't know, maybe I'll retire." <laughs> like, come on, man, you are so rich. Every time somebody plays the fucking uh, Darth Vader March. Imperial March. Yeah. Or Luke's name. A check for money. You should be so rich at this point. He, he doesn't do it for the money. <laughs> Sometimes it's just for himself. Yeah, but still, it's like, man, if you're John Williams, you can retire pretty happy at this point. Why didn't he do it when he was 60? Who can who can say? But because Steven Spielberg, Spielberg calls him up call and him says, up. hey, yeah. I'm working on a new film. Would you like to score it? You're always my first call. Yeah. And does John Williams ever say no to Steven Spielberg? Yes, not. And Kathleen Kennedy is like, hey, we need a new Star Wars thing. <laughs> hey, we got all these Disney Plus projects. Should we go to you or Michael Giacchino? <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, Michael Giacchino is working really hard lately, though. Oh, yes. So I don't know. Like, maybe. maybe like, hey, we can't really get him. So, you know, but, you, want, you want to come in for like a week's worth and write some stuff? <laughs> but, anyways, I don't blame John Williams for wanting to finish up. Uh, he's mm -hmm. old enough where. Yeah, let him take a break. Let the man take a break for a little bit. Take a break. Please. Please. All right. Speaking <laughs> of things that took a break, yes. Lord. <laughs> sure. Took a long break between albums, and here we are one year later from yes. the release of Solar... Well, okay. Not from the release of Solar Power, from the announcement right. yeah. of Solar Power. So, just a little bit of a recap. When Solar Power was released in August of last year, it received a bit of mixed reviews from the critics. Uh, although Variety senior music critic Chris Williams wrote in, his, wrote in his review that the star, quote, has pulled off one of the more difficult stunts in pop music, 
making a happy album, that's a good album. Uh, end quote. And many other reviewers were more ambivalent. Yeah, deeming, including us. Yep, deeming the album as underpowered um, compared to solar powered. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and her, quote, least vital project. True. So in her newsletter, Lord acknowledged the response, calling the experience, quote, at times painful to sit with. And here's the whole quote. Yeah, and here's the full quote. It's been a year since I announced, this is Lord speaking, <laughs> the release of Solar Power. I can honestly say it has been the year with the highest highs and the lowest lows <laughs> I think I've ever experienced. It took people a while to get the album. I still get emails every day from people who are just coming around to it now. And that response was really confounding at times. Painful to sit with at first. I learned a lot about myself and how I perceive, how I'm perceived by making and releasing this album. And I feel significantly more connected and alive in my art practices, art practice and life than pretty much ever before. Sounds dry, but it's true. In spite of the mixed response, Lord maintained that she was grateful for the album and for the fans that supported it, saying it was necessary for her evolution as an artist. Yeah, I mean, I included the story not because it's news, but because it's interesting. You don't often get a artist making a statement about like the reaction to their record. Yeah. Um, and if you do, it's usually right after like Drake this week talking <laughs> about like ah oh, y'all don't get it, and that reactionary stuff is not interesting. But what's interesting to me is like artists reflecting like with time spent, and this is what Lord is doing here. I mean, I think she's right. I think this is a necessary step. I think a lot of artists um, will have an album that they want to experiment on and do something a little different than before just to feel it out. And I think that's what Solar mm -hmm. Power ultimately was. I think it's a time and a place for her. And um, the next thing probably won't sound like it, but it may be influenced by parts of it and will learn from the experience. And that's what good artists do is they take what the, they established on the previous their previous work and do something slightly different and twist it a little bit and present something that's them in that moment. It's always them in that moment. It's interesting comparing it to something like Taylor Swift's folklore. The opposite critical reaction, people loved folklore immediately, mm -hmm. but it was a left turn. And so it's really interesting to see those two things, similar moves, completely play differently in the actual critical reception. Um and yeah, I'll stand by it. I think Solar Power is not a bad record. I mean, when we talked about it, we made sure to mention that it's a well-produced mm -hmm. thing with some good stuff in it. It's just for Lord, an artist who set the bar so high with Melodrama, our favorite record from that year yep. here at the Media Book Podcast. It just was she. It was hard to reach those highs, and I think that anything lesser than that, we were going to immediately criticize. I mean, we have the same kind of problem with Starcrossed. Yes, exactly. Um, with Casey Musgraves, yeah. Following Golden Hour, so mm -hmm. you know when you have such a huge response from a huge critical album, yeah, it's it's, tough. it's really tough to follow that up. So yeah, I can't blame Lord for feeling down about mm -hmm. some of the reception here, but also it seems like she learned what she needed to learn from the experience, and that apparently touring on this thing has been a lot of fun for her. So, and honestly, that's artist lifeblood is the yep. tour and making that the best part. I mean, that's what Taylor always says about the reputation era is that mm -hmm. 
the tour was the most fun tour she's ever done. And it was huge and it was bombastic every night and the fans loved it. And honestly, that's a win. Like, it doesn't matter what Spin thinks. It doesn't matter right. what Rolling Stone reviews your record. It's you're the fans. killing it every night for the fans. Mm-hmm. So, all power to Lord. I hope she bounces back and I hope... Um, I hope the next thing we hear from her is uh, is stellar, and I'm sure it will be. Interesting you brought up Taylor Swift and Reputation, because yeah. she didn't get to do her tour on Lover. Yes, there is a rumor going around that there might a be a resurfaced around. Lover tour coming in February of next year. Ooh. Apparently somebody saw it on their concert app. Okay. It popped up February 2023, Loverfest, and somebody was like, she's doing it again. So who knows if that's real? <laughs> I don't know. I don't want a rumor. Uh, spread we here, don't deal in rumors here. I know, but I thought that was interesting. It would be very interesting if she revisited that idea. So, next week's news story, Loverfest. <laughs> <laughs> Look forward to that. I don't know, do we hear about that first? Or or uh, Speak Now, Taylor's version, slash 1989, Taylor's version, <laughs> slash Taylor Swift, Taylor's version, <laughs> slash Reputation, Taylor's version. <laughs> when are we getting the more re-records, Taylor? Please save me. Anyways, let's move on. Anyways, let's move on. <laughs> Uh, so, did you end up listening to Soccer Mommy? So, I got halfway through it, and then the news broke. Um, yesterday, yes. Yesterday, and I did not have any desire to listen to any music for the rest of the day, so I didn't. Okay. Uh, but yeah, just real briefly, uh, hearts go out to everybody who will be affected by the uh, Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade yesterday. Obviously, we've established here on the Media Vote podcast, uh, we are a pro-choice podcast, if you need health care, you should get health care. Nobody should take it away from you, and that is your earned right. Um, so, yeah, it sucks. Uh, no news that really crosses over with the subject today, uh, but I felt like it was necessary to talk about it. It was a mm-hmm. real dark time, and I was super pissed all day. Uh, call, of that, call to action here is really just... Um, Donate to local abortion funds if you have the means to do so. Uh, there are a lot of resources online uh, to find out local places you can help out. Or if your local place is pretty chill, like here in California, and you're lucky to live in a place that likely will not have those rights uh, stricken from you, uh, donate to a state that doesn't have that. Uh, donate to something like a deep red state like Texas, uh, Alabama, where they're going to need all the help they can get in the coming months to not immediately become a very dangerous place uh, for for uh, people who want to make decisions for their own bodies. So yeah, uh, just look into what you can do. Uh, there's plenty of resources online. Uh, be active in local elections. Um, we've learned the hard way that uh, nationwide elections, it's a crapshoot. But what you can do is you can help on a local level. Vote in primaries. Vote in uh, try to be active in local, like, uh, go to local protests if you can and you feel safe doing so. Support people who are in it. Give people a ride to the clinic. Like, it's seriously, like, little tiny local things you can do to help your community. And that grows into a movement. So, keep that in mind. Uh, stay safe, everybody. And, yeah, just uh, stay posy. A better world does exist and can exist. Anyways... You listen to a record, though. Yes. <laughs> I asked if you listened to Soccer Mommy, and you just took, a, took the ball and ran yeah. away with it. We had to do it at some point today. Uh, yes. But yes, uh, now for something completely different. Yes. 
Country music. Country music. <laughs> so this he wasn't on your country, on your release schedule because you yeah. put country artists on the release They're schedule. They're not on Metacritic. Blame them. <laughs> Anyways, Jimmy Allen. Uh, yes, that is Dancing with the Stars dancer. Yes, yes Jimmy Allen. Jimmy what Allen. That that Jimmy Allen, <laughs> which if you've watched that, that's where he's from. Uh, put out his third uh, official release studio album called Tulip Drive. <laughs> And Jimmy Allen is a very 90s sounding artist. He sounds like Thomas Rhett to me. Okay. A lot of his songs and music and lyrics sound like they were written for Thomas Rhett, but he's keeping okay. them for himself. So when you say 90s, are you talking about like stuff that sounds like like that era Tim McGraw or that era like Alan Jackson? No, I'm talking about like that era pop because he's pop country. Well, okay, that's different. <laughs> yeah, he's pop country and he's searing really well into that pop country. Okay. Which is why I bring up Thomas Rhett because he's also very pop country, very, as I've named him several times in this podcast, Thomas and the Rhett's because <laughs> he does his own backup vocals to his own songs. Right. And Jimmy Allen kind of does the same thing here. But there's a strict and immediate harsh turn where. The first, like, five songs on this album are very pop, country, uh, 90s style, very kind of boy bandish yeah. in a in a feeling. A lot of Max Martin influence, you sure. can say. Okay. And then he goes into a Spanish song with CeeLo Green called Anero. What? Wait, hold on. One second. Let's step by step through that sentence you just said. Yes. So he does a song in Spanish. Yes. And CeeLo Green is there? That's CeeLo Green, yes. Lovely. Alright. <laughs> it's called Denera. And then it switches to 90s R&B inspired baby bump music. Don't call it that. Okay, love making music. <laughs> we went over this, what, was two years ago? <laughs> yes, love making music. And guess who else shows up on it? Uh-huh. J-Lo. Okay. He has CeeLo and J-Lo appear on this album. <laughs> Too many lows. Are there any highs? What do you mean? I mean, I think the whole album's pretty high, actually. I'm pretty I'm pretty high on it. Okay. Uh, oh, you know it's a high-ass album if the names of the songs are written lowercase. Oh, yeah. The, That's all the Ariana songs are, Grande-ass move right all there. All the Jim songs Allen. are in lowercase. Also, you spelled his name wrong. In uh, the dock. It is? Yeah. It, oh, it's IE? Yeah, IE, right there. Oh, thank you, Google. Put respect on Jimmy Allen's name. Thank you, Google, for giving me the wrong <laughs> Jimmy. <laughs> Anyways. Anyways. Right, we yeah. talked about Jimmy Allen back uh, with the Grammys because he was doing a lot of the pre-show stuff. Yep. Um, I forgot about that. Yeah, and then um, I also saw him in concert um, uh, with right. Brad Paisley yes. last year. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, yeah, this is his third album. Third yeah. album released from it. It's a really good album, but just keep in mind that it's going to probably whiplash you about that sixth yeah. song um, with CeeLo and De Niro, and then it goes to yeah. a di completely different side of them. So it changes a lot. Uh, does it feel of a piece? Because I remember when I talked about uh, Post Malone a couple weeks ago, mm -hmm. uh, that was felt pretty cohesive, cohesive of an idea, even though it jumped between genres. Does this feel the same way? Oh, yeah, no, because it sticks mainly with that 90s arm, mm -hmm. like, that 90s song sound kind of feel, especially okay. with the lyrics as well. Um, it just jumps a couple of genres over from pop to R&B. But the way the album is actually set up is that it's distinct enough to present two different sides, almost like a tulip drive. 
I see. <laughs> I see what he did There's there. the album come. There you go. Yeah, I like this album. Uh, not probably my favorite album. Sure. Of the especially of the year because coming with, with some big hitters. But for Jimmy Allen, uh, I really liked this album, and I mm. wouldn't be surprised if get some more albums, get some more stadium tours. I don't know if there's something that he's going to actually tour on, like especially like headline. But he's definitely moving up uh, the the festival charts. Let's put it that yeah. way. His name's moving up. It's getting bigger and bolder. <laughs> Absolutely. Good for him. Yeah. Uh, he seems like a nice guy. He's really funny uh, at the Grammy stuff. So uh, seems like a good guy with a good sense of humor. A uh, little trepidation about working with CeeLo Green. But hey, you know what? <laughs> Maybe it's a label thing. I'm not going to put that on him. It's one song. Yeah. Well, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I don't want to put that on him. It might be a label decision. Uh, country labels, you know, do that sometimes. Yeah. Where they're like, no, we're doing this. You don't have a choice. So, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. But yeah, I'm glad that it's good. Yeah. All right. Uh, moving in to our next topic, video games. Yeah. Uh, you got something open real quick before we start uh, that uh, we well, should probably mention because it's very exciting. I totally forgot about it. Yes. So, upcoming releases include uh, Disgaea 6 Complete for the PS4, PS5, and Disgaea? PC. Disgaea? Disgaea. Disgaea. Yeah, Disgaea Disgaea is complete. <laughs> uh, DNF Duel for PS4, PS5, and PC. MX versus ATV Legends, which is the motocross ATV yep. game, for everything but the Switch. Yep. Tour de France 2022 for everything but the Switch. Not even thankful. Uh, notably, less Lance Armstrong on there. <laughs> yes, 100% less. <laughs> uh, we also have Cuphead. Colin, the delicious last course, their words, not mine. Yes. For PS4, Xbox One, Switch, and PC. That is DLC, as yep. Delicious Last Course uh, also is DLC. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Cuphead, that is $8 on all platforms. Um, and yeah, uh, I've heard that if you like Cuphead, it is more Cuphead. Yep. Uh, we also have Monster Hunter Rise, colon, Sunbreak for the Switch and PC. Also DLC, expansion for Monster Hunter Rise. Rise. Yep, Rabbids, colon, Party of Legends for <laughs> PS4, Xbox One, and Switch. This one came out of nowhere. I did not know that they had a new Rabbids game coming out. So Is this a compilation game? Party uh, I of don't Legends? know. The name implies that it's like a mini-game party thing. But I've literally heard nothing about it, so I can't tell you. Yeah, I haven't heard anything about this either. Yeah. It's a party game, it says. Yep. Sure. Okay, yeah. Yep. Rabbids. Rabbit's Party game. Rabbit's Party. And lastly, the big release. <laughs> yes. If you're <laughs> a motorcycle, okay. F1 2022. F1 22. Yeah. Which is Formula One. For everything but Switch. Yep, everything but Switch. Yeah, uh, if you like but, F1, this is this year's F1 game. But if you don't want to purchase any games and instead want to watch people play games and yes. speedrun your favorite games, yes. it's that time of year again. Oh, yeah. Summer Games Done Quick, 2022. Honestly, it couldn't have come in better timing, because if you just want to, like, watch something fun for a little bit, get your mind off of some real awful bullshit, this is a good way to do it. Watch people speedrun games. Yep. Uh, That starts this Sunday, June 26th, and runs through the week um, into July 3rd, so right before... Yeah. Um... Fourth of July here. And a uh, couple notes about it. This is the first time in a couple years it will be live again in person. 
What? They're not doing it virtual anymore? Uh, maybe some a hybrid. Maybe hybrid, some are going to be. Because I feel like some people did want to make yes. the trip, but I did hear that some people will be on site this year. I'm already looking at tomorrow, and there's like three or four of these I absolutely want to watch. I want to watch somebody speedrun WarriorWare Touched. I want to watch somebody speedrun any percent Kirby in the Forgotten Land. I want to speedrun Pokemon Snap on 64. Oh my god. Perfect to Dark on Special Agent? Okay. I know what I'm doing tomorrow. <laughs> Uh, 120% oh, Spyro. That's Spyro a perfect, line. perfect. Oh. So look at yep. the schedule online. Just search uh, Games Done Quick. Uh, you'll go to their website and go to their schedule. Oh, I oh, love man. this. McDonald's Treasure, Treasure Island, Island Adventure. Wow. Some real wild shit on Monday. Yep. So, yeah. Outlast. Check it out. I'm trying uh, to find we, like, any of the new games that are being speedrun. Yeah, we try to mention it every time uh, because, yeah, if you like video games and you like people who are very talented at playing video games. Halo Infinite. There's hour and better. a half. Ooh, wow. Okay, sure. Anyway. So, yeah, that's exciting, and that'll start up tomorrow. So, tune in for that. Ooh, a tunic run. Mm-hmm. That'll be fun. Tunic any percent. I've, I've watched a couple of those tunic speedruns where they just uh, glitch everywhere. That's a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, excited to see how to freeze them and then jump on them to get to the places you're not supposed to be able to get to. Right, well, we could talk about this all day, but oh, we could because this is a lot better than whatever news we have. Well, Borderlands Two. <laughs> yep, oh, Borderlands Two is on there. Magic Trick. Like I said, there's a lot Any of good kind of... stuff in here. Uh, Ratch- Going Commander, Ratchet and Clank, Wrench only. Wow, this goes for a lot longer. No, no, it's, 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 it's always a week. This is July second. Oh, uh, Metroid Dread Run. Yes. On the last day. Okay, what are they ending with? Elden Ring Run. Elden Ring. Two hours, all remembrances. Wow. Yep, and, oh, and the 33-minute, possibly 15-minute glitched PC run, any percent. Well, that's exciting, so check that out if uh, that sounds appealing to you. Oh, yeah, Metroid Dread, any percent. Right. (laughs) All stars and Mario World. Yep, yep, why not? Let's move on, though. Anyways, let's move on to We've something that to won't be sped run this upcoming no. week. No. No, in fact, they've been taking their time with it. Blizzard and Overwatch 2. Yeah. So, game so, director Aaron Keller recently did a Reddit yes. AMA uh, this past week, and one of the users asked what would be happening with its live service in kind of loot box uh, for the existing Overwatch games. Yeah, this is following the fact that the first thing up top, he announced something that we didn't know prior, prior to this, which is when Overwatch 2 launches, it is replacing Overwatch 1. This is key because when this came out, they were like, they announced, when the announcement happened, they were like, oh, well, we're changing the player count and we're introducing this mm-hmm. PvE stuff. Like we talked about last week, the PvE stuff has been delayed and all we're getting is a free-to-play multiplayer game. But we did not know it would be completely overriding, basically, Overwatch. So naturally, uh, fan reaction was, hey, but wait a minute. I spent actual real-life money on this game, Mm -hmm. and I unlocked real-life things on this game. Where does that stuff go? What do you mean you unlocked real-life things? It's all virtual. You know what I mean. I know, but yes, I spent my real-life money on on all these skins, all these upgrades. The stuff that I worked hard for, Mm -hmm. uh, where does it go? Right. So, um, game director Aaron Keller replied to this comment, quote, We'll share a more detailed explanation on all of these topics before Overwatch 2 goes live in October, which means they have about four-ish, three-ish months left yeah. to talk about. Um, quote, 
from John Spector, the franchise's commercial lead. Quote, to give you a quick answer now, though, those existing currencies, including the credits, owl tokens, and competitive points, will come with you to Overwatch 2. We are not transitioning loot boxes into Overwatch 2, and ahead of launch, any unopened loot boxes will automatically be opened with your account, receiving all the contents directly. Hmm. Overwatch 1 credits come with you to Overwatch 2, but the new virtual currency will be the main currency, and there will be things in Overwatch 2 that will not be purchasable with Overwatch 1 credits. So yeah, with a lot of live games in tr- in like transition like this, uh, you do have a very hard line to walk mm-hmm. because you want to ultimately wipe the slate clean and introduce a completely new uh, marketplace. And that's what it seems like their ultimate goal is. But for the time being, while they're dealing with people transferring into the new game, they have to at least let some of that still count. And so you kind of see in this language that they're kind of hedging about this, where it's like, yeah, you can use some of this, but we'd really like you to get on the new stuff and forget about the old loot boxes, because obviously they probably don't want to be associated with the term mm-hmm. loot box anymore after yes. you know what's happened since the release of Overwatch 1. I wonder word. if they can't call things loot boxes anymore, yeah. call it something else. I imagine that since they're going on a free-to-play model now, mm-hmm. I imagine they go really hard on skins and stuff like that. Because that's the yep. new version of that. Microtransactions? Yeah, but like microtransactions that aren't randomized like they yes. used to. When Overwatch 1 came out, it was a very different temperature around that kind of mm-hmm. gambling in games. Now, completely different world. You cannot go hard on that anymore. Yep. So they've learned from that, and they're moving on and trying to do something new. So yeah, um, if you are at home listening to the show, and you are avid Overwatch person, and you have information for us about whether there's trepidation about moving on to uh, moving your stuff, if you have any stuff that you feel like is going to get lost, hey, give us feedback. Email us at mediaboatpodcast.com, uh, mediaboatpodcast at gmail.com, sorry. Um, and uh, let us know what you think. Give us feedback. Tell us what, from the Overwatch fan perspective, about how this will affect you. We'd mm-hmm. love to learn. We do. <laughs> you do, it's true. I mean, yes, we give you news every day. Yeah. Every week. Can't stop. Can't stop, won't stop. Speaking of can't stop, won't stop. Well, can stop, turns out. Turns out you can't stop Microsoft because <laughs> they have acknowledged that there is a current shortage of Xbox controllers. Yes. After many major retailers completely sold out this past month. Mm-hmm. So at the time of this reading, <laughs> major retailers in multiple regions are completely sold out of Xbox wireless controllers. Mm-hmm. And the peripherals seem to be particularly scarce in Europe. So in the UK, there are currently no controllers in any color in stock at retailers. UK, yeah. Game, Smith's, Argos, Curry's, or even the official Microsoft store. And those British, are British, British ass names. store names. <laughs> so Amazon UK, excuse me, Amazon UK um, is was is one of the few retailers with stock of the original carbon black controller which was added but may or may not actually be sold out right now um so third party prices on amazon for the black controller start at 93 99 pounds which is nearly double the official price 
Oh, so if you live across the pond and you need a controller, this is not the time. Now's not the time to have a broken controller. This sucks, and it's just continued stories about how supply chain issues just keep popping up in random, unexpected places. Just when you think things are getting better, it somehow gets worse. Yep. Um, so yeah, it just Microsoft at least is owning up to it and saying that they're working with their uh, manufacturing partners to make sure this is not a long-standing problem. So, uh, yeah, I hope they get it figured out and they get more controllers on more shelves and people can play their games again. So, we'll see what happens. Yep. Um, yeah, hopefully you're able to have a working controller so you can play your, yeah. well, let's face it, you're going to play your Xbox Game Pass games. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the Game play. Pass machine. That's what you're going to do. What you're not going to play is these three games that we're going to talk about because none of them are on the Xbox. Uh Let's start with let's some start with mobile the, let's stuff. Let's start with the mobile stuff first, because you're going to go and try and sell me on the yeah, online. I got a game, a big big release, uh, recent release to sell you on. Uh, but before that, yes. you've been playing a little phone game. Yep, little phone games, little bubble games. First up, um, following in the steps of Wordle and Weddle and Watchle. <laughs> and Hurdle. And Hurdle. Uh, comes <laughs> Waffle. 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 They're delicious. Yes, but it's also in uh, a game in the shape of a waffle cone. It is. Yes. Uh, well, not a cone. Comb. 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 Wa- waffle comb. Waffle comb? Yeah. Like a honeycomb. Honeycomb. Yes. I've never heard anybody refer to it as that. But no, that's what it is, though, because it's got the little divots in it. I, Did you make this up, or is this a thing? No, this is a thing. I've never heard anybody it's, call it's, it a waffle comb. It's like the honeycomb. It's got like the divots in it for the honeycomb. And it's like switch across. That's fascinating. It's waffle comb. No, I'm not saying it doesn't make sense. You're, it makes sense when you describe yeah. it. I just never heard anybody call it that before. <laughs> waffle comb. Waffle comb. I'm going to yeah. ask Christy if she's heard of this. Anyways. Well, so okay. what is the waffle? So the waffle, it's a word game like Wordle, right? Yes, yeah, word game like Wordle. But it's also in a crossword game where it gives yes. you all the letters. And you have to move them around across the board. The snowman voice. I gave you all the letters. Yes. I gave you all the letters. You just have to put them in the right place now. Uh, so, yeah, it's fun. It's moving around. It's giving, so it gives you set amount of, I think, like nine or 15 moves. And you just have to move around and try and create the words that match all the spaces going across and up and down. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. It's simple. It's, it's simple. Um, it's not going to take over my daily wordle, which, uh, by the way, I did cross 100. Consecutive days wow. at 100%. I cannot say the same. I um, You dropped it? I have lost twice now. Oh, no. I lost this week. Oh, no. Really? On one. It, yeah. That killed everyone. But, yeah. Still doing the Wordle. Yep. Still around. But, yeah. Uh, Christy plays the Waffle as well. She really enjoys it. I've looked over her shoulder a few times at it. It seems neat. Um, but I just need... I, some on mornings I have to go into the office. I don't have that much time, so really I have just enough time to get the wordle done, and then I'm off out the door. So right, uh, one is good. Just one. That's all I need. One morning puzzle. It's it's morning. It gets my brain working, and then I'm off. Wordle in the morning, and then right before I go to bed, New York Times crossword puzzle. Yep, that's my schedule. That's your schedule. <laughs> <laughs> I am 65. No. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway, uh, so another mobile game. Came out this week. Yes, new, release, new release. New launch. Big release. Well, big release. Big release Disney. for mobile games. Mobile Let's games. Be real. Well, it's got Disney in it, so it's a big release for me. Sure. Because I, you know I'm a sucker for Disney games. Especially Disney mobile games. Especially Disney mobile games. Um, because, yes, my mobile game from two years ago, I am still <laughs> playing the Disney yes. Sorcerer's Arena. Yes, somehow. 
somehow, yes, still just grinding away on the daily stuff. <laughs> uh, but there's a new Disney mobile game out there called Disney Mirrorverse. Mm-hmm. Uh, it plays similar to the DSA, but it comes from the people who do the <laughs> Marvel. I'm sorry, the DSA? Yeah. Disney Sorcerer's Arena. Do people call it that? Yes. I'm See, all I'm thinking of is the Democratic Socialists of America, <laughs> which I am a card-carrying member of. So it was very funny to hear you say <laughs> the DSA. DSA. <laughs> like, oh, the DSA? What? Are we no, no, not that DSA. Organizing? <laughs> what? What? Anyway. Anyways. <laughs> Not that DSA. Not that DSA. Go back to sleep, Bernie Sanders. We didn't wake you up. Anyway. <laughs> Anyways, uh, yeah, Disney Mirrorverse comes from the people who brought you Marvel Contest of Champions. And it plays out much in the same kind of fashion, where you're given these different champions. Um, you earn them through, essentially, it's a loot box thing. Uh-huh. Uh, you got to wait your turn, or you can get crystals. I don't want to go to the specifics of like every, every little thing because sure it's a mobile game. It's you a mobile know what game. You know into. what you're getting into. It's a gotcha but also, thing, but yeah. the the hook here is that every hero also has a dark version of the hero that oh. you end up fighting. And I really like the hero design. Is that why it's called the Mirrorverse? Is that the dark versions of the heroes live in the Mirrorverse? Yes, okay. but you know, it's a, also deals with like the multiverse of like worlds colliding. Sure. So it has a little bit of a crisis on Infinite Earth going on with the actual story. Hey, for those of you that care about the actual story, <laughs> but I'm here for like the character designs on it. Sure. They're very like the hardened Disney characters that you know. Yeah, about. it looks like a, like a fantasy interpretation yeah, of Disney l- characters. Yeah, a little bit of. Actually, uh, I think I told. I was talking to you or someone else. That's a little mm-hmm. like Final Fantasy. Inspired version of these Disney characters. Not to be confused with Kingdom Hearts, which is actual Final Fantasy with with Disney characters. Yes, this is not that. This is they're emulating a high fantasy style for their existing Disney characters. Yes, but you know when you have Snow White carrying around a big giant pickaxe that looks like a scythe. <laughs> I'm looking at a screenshot right now of of uh, Snow White with what appears to be a giant gun. <laughs> Um, so hey, no, no, that's a pickaxe. That's, like, that's an axe. Okay, that's an axe. that looks like a gun. But yeah. All right. Sure. Um, there's Sully from Monsters Inc. in fucking battle armor. Yep. Here, this, here's Donald with his anchor. This goes hard. I don't. Oh, it know goes super hard. What is Everyone's armorized. <laughs> they have armor on them. Uh, everyone's just completely like souped up in battle mode. I don't understand. Uh, so unlike what's happening here. So unlike typical arena games where you set up your champions uh-huh. and then they go and fight, this one plays a little bit like League of Legends where you're able to sure. control and move around. And But it's not a MOBA, is it? No. Okay. Uh not no, it's not, not a MOBA, quite. it's not a 5 on 5. All right. Cuz you control up to 3 per fight. Okay. And even though there's four different classes, you so can is it only a put 3. Simplified MOBA. Very simplified, okay. uh, story-driven MOBA. Weird. Okay, weird. I, I didn't know what this There's was no at all. PvP on it yet, but they say it's mm-hmm. coming within uh, the next month. Okay. Sure. Uh, yeah. But there's yeah. alliances. There's guilds. <laughs> alliances. You, you can join them. Wow. Do daily stuff. You know? Sometimes I think about mobile games and I think like it's like a different dimension. Like stuff's happening in that world that I'll never ever know about. That's why I'm here. <laughs> I'm here. constantly checking on stuff. Yeah. So, uh, this has actually been in development for quite a while because I pre-registered yeah. for this game. Oh. I want to say early this year, if not last year. Right. And it finally came out. I just got the not- I got like, I randomly got the notification that this game downloaded that you pre-registered for. <laughs> Go enjoy it now. You finally play it. I'm like what? Really now? I thank you. Finally, <laughs> God, it took forever. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, right. Oh, cool. But yeah, it's Neat. it's uh, like I said, it's another one of those like <laughs> champion bubble games. Tiana and Stitch update. Yep. Uh, Tiana looks cool. Oh yeah, they're they cool designs. Yeah. Look, so keep me coming back. Right. Oh, oh, but I need to show you the Woody design because he's just straight <laughs> up human. He need to show you Woody. Oh, he is just like straight up like human. <laughs> That's terrifying. Oh no! Oh yes! What? The, that's not Woody. Yes, this is Woody. Ah! He's just a straight up human. Ah, he's terrifying. Yes, but people are standing him now. Oh god! Okay. My, my my Twitter like as soon as the game came out like got like kind of inundated with images of people go, going hard for Woody yeah. on here. Oh, don't! Ugh. I I hate that sentence that you just said so much. Oh yes. <laughs> Look at that Woody. Look we at that chin. We have to move on. Look we at have that chin. To move on. Look at that Woody chin. I'm sick of looking at that Woody. Please, let's <laughs> move on. Okay. All right. That's so, the yes. Disney Mirrorverse available on phones now. Yes. If you want to look at Woody. Yes. If you somehow get have a kid and get them involved. Somehow have a kid. It happens. You just, somehow, poof, I don't know how it kid. happened. Poof, there's a kid now. This kid just showed up. Yeah. Um, and they get very into Disney Mirrorverse. The good news is that you can go to your local toy store, uh-huh. the Target, yeah. and you can buy a physical um, oh, that's model news. of the Disney Mirrorverse. Uh, you buy your figures. own weird-looking Woody. Yes, buy because uh, they've been selling like the Monsters Inc. Sully version Uncanny for at least like three months Woody. now. Yeah. Well, cool. Good for people who are into that kind of thing. Let's move on. <laughs> there's a game I need to talk about. Okay, so there's a game you need to sell me on. I've been playing this to death this week. All right, so from the people who brought you Donut County <laughs> comes something that could not be any more different than Donut County. Okay, go. Donut County. Uh, <laughs> your, your hole, you drop stuff in the yes. hole and it gets bigger. Eventually, right. the, you like follow up the town. Uh, so, Spoilers. Uh, right. That's, that's Donut County. But from the mines behind, some of the mines behind Donut County comes Neon White, which is completely different so we were just talking about speed running right we were yes. just talking about how ag or some sddgq is happening agdq uh, oh, no, yeah. it's SGDQ, it's summer. summer games done quick and that's all about speed running well there's been kind of a subset of games that are made for speed running in mind and neon white is the newest of those kind of games usually you say that to me and that does not sell me usually that's like oh that's like i don't want to play a game that's like the idea is to break it that doesn't sound mm-hmm. appealing to me. I want people who are really good at that to show me how it's done, and I'd rather watch it than play it. But what Neon White does is takes that basic concept and makes it feel and, and walks you through it enough step by step that you feel like it's teaching you, and you never feel like you're getting lost in the minutia of the step-by-step process of doing things fast. It's sectioned off into little tiny 30 to 45 second levels. I think the longest I heard it goes is like maybe a minute ever. They're very short, compact, like obstacle courses, essentially, that you have to get to the end of as fast as possible to get the best possible time. All within this framing device of an anime-ass world where you are a dead human who has uh, been sent to hell, but heaven has picked you up to earn your right to salvation, basically, by competing in these challenges. If you are the best at doing these speedrun levels, you will basically get to stay in heaven. Also, your character, because you died, 
has amnesia. There's certain things about your past that you don't remember. You're encountering people in heaven that you also vaguely recollect from your life. Maybe you were friends, maybe you were rivals, who knows? And you're trying to speak with them throughout the course of this game to find out, unlock these old memories and find out what was your relationship to these people? And how can you work together possibly to get, like, to be able to stay in heaven and get redeemed? Um, and they're all called Neon. So you play as Neon White. And then there's also Neon Red, who is the cool sniper lady. Neon Violet, who is a, um, a, a, a like a, a little uh, death obsessed goth girl. Mm-hmm. And then Neon Yellow, who is a bro ass bro <laughs> voiced by uh, Ian Jones Cordy of uh, OKKO voice and creating. Um, it's amazing the vibe of this thing. And the levels are so much fun. I am not somebody who is uh, like that kind of person when it comes to like I want to speed run a game, but the way that they walk you through the, the the process of actually platforming and shooting through these levels is educational enough. It walks you through it good well enough that you get it immediately, and it's so much fun. So to explain what you're doing moment to moment, it is a first person shooter. Mm-hmm. You are running to your goal while jumping to platform to platform, trying to figure out these platform-based puzzles. When enemy shows up, you have to shoot them. How do you do that? You pick up cards in the world that are weapons. Some of them are handguns. Some of them are, like, rifles. And you have to, in most levels, defeat all of the demons you encounter to get to the end. So you have to not only go as fast as you can, but you have to make sure to kill every enemy on the way. The other thing it does is that every weapon has an alternate fire mode essentially with the right click on the mouse uh that does something to help you with the platforming for example the rifle shoots like a grenade sticky grenade equip essentially Mm -hmm. that can one destroy a lot of enemies at once so if you see like a pot of dudes you can shoot a grenade style thing at them and they all just all get destroyed instead of shooting them each because of course that takes more time or it can launch you further up to a hard to reach platform if you jump on top of the explosion of that grenade while it's happening. Hmm. Same thing with like the handgun. The handgun, when you discard the handgun, it's a double jump, a mid-air jump, which helps you to get to a further platform too. So you have to be strategic sometimes about when you want to use which weapons when. Because also, ammo is limited. So for example, if you shoot an, an, a, a demon before you need to use that double jump with your handgun, the handgun's gone. And you will fail the level because it was the game is designed to tell you, we gave you this weapon for a reason. Figure out how the best way to use it is. The whole game is designed around that idea. You're picking up these power ups at strategic at strategic locations in the level to tell you to to interpret what the next thing to do to solve that platform. This sounds like a very speed running game. Yes, it is designed to compete with your friends to get the (laughs) fastest time possible. The game even encourages you to do that uh, by giving you hints if you're close to getting that good time. It gives you uh, medals when you finish. Bronze, silver, gold, and then an ace medal. An ace medal basically is you figured out the shortcut, you figured out the best way to do it. And you can replay levels now, is this to try the, to get those. Is this the game telling you that this is the best way we found to yes. build it? In fact, there are even developer medals that you can get that are red. I have not got one of these yet. Where if you beat the developer time, <laughs> you get one of those. And people are already doing it. Ooh. People are already breaking this game and figuring out better ways. And even the people who made it got through the levels that they designed. 
So you're probably thinking like, well, I don't want to hit my head against the level over and over again to mm -hmm. try to do it and then fail. Well, good. The game's got your back because if you get a gold at least and you have and but you're not quite to that ace time, they will give you hints the next time you go through. A little hand will appear in the level and be like, hey, what did you learn over here? Hmm. And so you'll see it in the corner of your eye and you'll be like, oh, if I use the dash power over here, I can dash across this platform and completely bypass this whole part of this level mm -hmm. and then shave off like 10 seconds off my time. A lot of that. And so it encourages you to play levels over and over again. This sounds like a speedrunner's like yes. wet dream. Oh my God, it's so good. So, but you hate speedrunning. But I'm obsessed with this. It just feels so good to play. It feels fast, and it the, the like and, and and like the jumping feels good. There's a good control over it. Also, keep in mind, I'm playing on PC with mouse and keyboard, which is a thing I never do. I'm a controller guy, but the reaction speed is so crucial for this game. Mm -hmm. Which brings me to the point: is as much as I want to sell you on this game, you don't have a PC that can run it as well as you'd need to. Which, but it's a Switch game too. And the Switch port is it frame breaking? I feel like we'll give you the idea of the game, but it's the best experience with the mouse. Okay. And that's why I'm hesitant to be like pick this up on Switch right away because I have heard like people do enjoy the Switch. Also, the Switch version does have um, uh, uh, gyro support, so you can in handheld mode you can like aim manually for some of the more pinpoint accuracy for shooting. And some people swear by it, so maybe. Um, unfortunately, I don't know if there's a demo for the Switch version. I would recommend if there was for you to try the demo first before you uh, spring the $25. But I think it's pretty cool uh, what they've created. One last thing I didn't mention is, so I mentioned your other characters who are kind mm -hmm. of your friends slash rivals in the game. There is a Hades-esque gift-giving mechanic as well here. That was my second thing when you said that each yes. run is like only like a minute long. Yeah, so... You're also finding presents in the world as well. Those do not uh, you can get without having to worry about your time on the level. So, mm -hmm. for example, you can just hop in and look, stop for a while, look around, and see if you can find the present in the level. And then in between levels, you can go to like the hub world, the little bar, and give a present to your um, uh, friend slash rival and learn more about them. You either are unlocking dialogue options. You can unlock oh, like, those nectar things from it's very Hades. From Hades, it's yeah. very Hades. Where you're unlocking that stuff. And on top of that, you'll unlock side missions from them that are fun extra challenges that are slightly different than the speedrun levels. For example, um, Neon Violet, your little goth friend, uh, she will give you super hard challenges where the whole, all the world, all the, uh, the walls and ceilings are covered in spikes. And you have to like master the double jump to not get hurt by the spikes to get to the end. Okay. It's just so much fun. Um, one caveat, though, beyond maybe worries about the, the Switch version, is um, the dialogue and vibe of this is very anime and very online. If you played uh, Donut County, you kind of know what to expect dialogue-wise. This is somebody who spends a lot of time on Twitter uh, mm -hmm. writing this game. And that's going to be hit or miss for a lot of people. I already see a lot of, uh, a lot of people not really jiving with the slangy kind of approach of writing here. I don't mind it as much. I think the characters when are When you fine. do stuff like that, does it get outdated really fast, though? Yeah, that is the risk you're taking, for sure. Uh, I think that some people are going to be turned off by it. I like it better than, say, a Borderlands. I'm thinking I like the script better than Borderlands uh, from a few weeks ago. So, But it's very 
your mileage may vary mm-hmm. on that. And the aesthetic leans really into uh, VHS uh, OVA anime from the 90s. So if that's like an aesthetic that you click with, you'll also like this. And if that's not your, your, your wheelhouse, then maybe it won't do enough for you. But the gameplay is good enough that even if you ignore the story, I think you're going to still have a blast with it. Okay. That's Neon White. Uh, $25 on Steam and or the Switch. Like said, maybe try it out before you buy it to make sure it's something that you dive with. There is a demo on on Steam. On Steam I don't know yeah. if there's a demo on the Switch, though. So, yeah, check it out. Yeah, I don't know if there's a demo here. I don't know. Yeah, it's a cool ass game. Okay. Oh yeah, it's one of the ones I want to check out. I mean, it may be the the, the game that gets me to resubscribe to uh, GameFly for a little bit there. Yeah, yeah. There's some stuff coming out later in the year. I don't know if there's a physical version. Oh, oh it might just be download only. Yeah, I don't know if they're putting out a physical uh, cart Ooh. for this. You'd Maybe I just have to out. download it then. <laughs> I don't know. Um, or uh, for twenty five dollars. Or I don't know. Come over and try it out on my PC. I don't know on a PC. I'm always coming to your house. Oh. You know you can come to ours. Yes, I know. <laughs> anyway, but yeah, um, it's cool. I recommend it. Uh, and yeah, I'm only scratching the surface of it. I think I'm only in, I finished World 2, I think, uh, yesterday. And I don't know how many worlds there is or there are. And there's such little bite-sized things that I've been able to play every day after work. So Okay. It's cool. It's a cool-ass game. Sounds cool. I mean, this is the game that I'm surprised you're into. I know. I am shocked that I'm into this. But I watched a giant bomb quick look of it and it sold me. Okay. I was like, oh, this actually looks like something that I would dive with. All right. Like I said, the key is is that it walks you through the process of it well enough that you feel like you get it immediately. Yeah, that's one of the things that I really hate about newer games, especially mm-hmm. kind of super games, where it says, like, oh, yeah. like, by the way, you can also do this over here and this over <laughs> here. We're not going to tell you more in yeah. depth, but you can do all this extra it stuff. It never tells you too much, which okay. is something that I think a lot of games do nowadays, like you're saying. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, here's all these systems all at once. Learn them right now. This does not do that. This is like, oh, you encountered a new thing. I'm going to briefly tell you why it's important. And then go do it. Mm-hmm. That's what this does. Really great. So look forward to seeing uh, maybe we talk about this at the end of the year. Ooh, it's that good. Ooh, okay. And I haven't even finished it yet. I haven't finished it yet. All right. Let's move on. Into the second half of the show, which we always start with television. And we always start the television section with the sports corner, which is right behind us. The dynasty continues with the youngest of the Mannings finally committing to a school. The other shoe dropped here. Yes. We've talked about it for a while now. Yes. Arch Manning has committed to Texas. Yes. Um, so Arch Manning is graduating next year, class of 2023, Texas. He's also graduating next year, um, starting in 2023, to play for the SEC. Yes. Ooh. Also, the head coach at Texas, Steve (laughs) Sarkeesian, you know, Uh famed quarterback coach for NFL players. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Also, this is the bolding of an NFL experience here. Mm. It's almost like they're preparing him for his future already. (laughs) Oh, yes. No. They've come out and said that we're preparing him for yeah. an NFL career. Man, what if he what if he doesn't like football? What if all this is like really killing him and he'll 
And honestly, he wants to play baseball. What if this man is just like sitting there and being like, man, I just really want to be a shortstop. Why am I here? He just gets hit one one time and just done. Like, you guys, uh, he's just, he wants to rebel. He wants to rebellious phase. I don't want to play football. There's other Mannings out there. But we realize that this is Arch Manning, who went, who's yeah. been trained under Peyton and Eli. Yeah. Who's gone to their camps year after year after year just to improve himself. I just think that's really funny. This set, there you go. Write that script. Write that script. Uh, the, I don't want to be. Kid uh, from a football dynasty does not want... want to play football and he's forced to play football. We already wrote that script. That's Eddie's um, <laughs> uh, Million Dollar Cookoff. <laughs> <laughs> Very different. Anyway, Same, concept. Same concept. Um, but yeah, he's committed to Texas. Yeah. Funny enough, um, when we talked about NIL um, being available to all the college athletes. And we talked about Quentin Ewers of the Ohio State. Oh, God. oh yeah, we don't have that story. We don't have that story here. <laughs> I want to add the Ohio State story. I'll we'll talk about that in a second. Uh, but yeah, so uh, so we've talked about Quentin Ewers uh, of the Ohio State getting like his NIL deal without ever playing a snap. Well, he entered the transfer portal this past season, and guess where he went to? I don't know where Texas. Hey, hey. So there you go. Yep. Um, he's already gonna have competition when he gets there next year, um, but this is just gonna improve the Texas stock of recruiting class, not just for the um, football team, but also for the school as well. Because hey, you can go and watch Arch Manning play for three years. Yep. Four years maybe. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Uh, how much booster money they weigh yeah. in front of his face? Uh-huh. Yep. We'll see. Uh, while we're on the subject of college football, we might as well move on to the story we just referenced. So the Ohio State has for a while been identified with saying their name, the Ohio State, every second possible. Also, whatever like uh, former athletes talk about it, they yes. refer to it as the Ohio, Ohio State. State. To the point where now they've gone and done the legwork to get the trademark for the word the. Now, before you go like, what? That's not possible. How can they do that with a word called the? Let me be specific. This is specifically for use on merchandise. So this is so they can say the Ohio State on a t-shirt or a hat or whatever you get, mm-hmm. whatever you say, and not have a different school replicate that. Or, or a different uh, company replicate yeah. it. This is specifically for Ohio State apparel. Yes. So, yeah, just for apparel. Uh, they've apparently been working for years to try to make this happen. I guess they were challenged at one point by Mark Jacobs, which was also trying yeah, to get um, D on their shirts. Yeah, I've been working on it for four years, which is yeah. a lot shorter than we've had this podcast. Yeah, but still. <laughs> I want to say we reported on it four years ago when they Maybe. tried to trademark it, but yeah, here's that other story coming around. But yeah, so we just think it's funny because I think it's very funny that they make a point, such a point to say the Ohio State of course every they single do. time. So yeah, it's it's silly, but I thought we love to talk about trademark law here oh, on yes, the podcast. <laughs> and this was a interesting crossover between trademark law and sports. So there you go. Yeah. The Ohio State, get ready to see shirts with that on it very, very soon. Put it on a mug. Yep, put it on a mug. Anyways, elsewhere in sports this week, Matt Fitzpatrick has won the U.S. All Open of golf. Thank God you put up golf this time. <laughs> So congratulations to him. Yep. Uh, he beat uh, Zalatoris by one stroke going into that final nice. 18 hole. Nice. 
And of course, in hockey, the Stanley Cup playoffs continue with the Avalanche getting another win. Um, Mm, No, it was the Lightning who won last week. Sorry, last night. Lightning getting another win, uh, where uh, leading to a three-two series. Avalanche still up one game, so I will go to Game Six. Yeah, uh, I was hoping it'd be done yesterday, and Avalanche would just win it. I thought what I, when they, they were going the to all the, the highlights. The, yeah, I showed, showed the score at the beginning of the game. I was like, uh, they showed the score on the the jumbotron yeah. of the Angels game, and I was like, oh, okay, this is over tonight. Yes, no, I was hoping it was over, <laughs> but no, apparently not. So yeah, uh, I guess uh, keep watching if you're a hockey fan. It's gonna yep. be an interesting couple games. I know. Game six, I mean. Like two of the games already went to overtime, so yeah. Uh, game six is going to be on Sunday, and then game seven. Should there be a, should game, there seven, be a game seven? It's going to be on Tuesday. Well, look forward to that. Anything else in sports before we move on to television news? Um, just more uh, Deshaun Watson drama, but we yeah. don't have time for that. Yeah, we do not have time for that. Let's move on to television news. We start with the daytime Emmys because if you weren't uh, paying attention to giant governmental Supreme Court fuck-ups yesterday, then you may have watched the Daytime Emmys. Or, if you did watch the Daytime Emmys, they also mentioned the giant governmental fuck-up yeah. that happened. So anyway, uh, Daytime Emmy winners included General Hospital, uh, who won five awards, including the Daytime Drama, Supporting Actor, Supporting Actress, Young Performer, and Directing Emmys. It is now the most winning Daytime Drama series in history, having now won the top prize a total of 15 times meanwhile the kelly clarkson show was a repeat winner as best entertainment talk and clarkson won as entertainment talk show host entertainment tonight once again won the entertainment news program winner and among the big wins young and restless star michelle morgan michelle 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 morgan made history as the first black winner in the lead actress category meanwhile Every major acting Emmy went to someone who had never won before, including lead actor from The Bold, Bold and the Beautiful star John McCook, supporting actor from uh, General Hospital's Jeff Cover, supporting actress General Hospital's Kelly Thebald, and younger performer General Hospital's Nicholas Chavez. But most pertaining to the Media Boat podcast, Jeopardy! continued its streak as the best game show winner for a record 19 times. Yep. Even despite its past year where they yes. had rotating hosts and the right. whole Mike Richards incident behind the scenes. Didn't matter. Didn't matter. People love their Jeopardy and daytime Emmys love their Jeopardy. And we love our Jeopardy. We love our Jeopardy. Um, speaking of Jeopardy, real quick, because we're getting into the summer, Tournament of Champions right around the corner. Oh, and this is going to be the best Tournament of Champions of all time. Yes, it is. Oh, my God. I just can't wait to see Amy Schneider just ripe the floor with everyone. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the second story here. A little bit bigger news if you're in the TV world. Game of Thrones talk has begun around the rumor mill again. So we've talked about the prequels yes. before. Um, the House of Dragons trailer is out. Still planning on coming out next year. But now it's time to talk about sequel series. As there are new details about Game of Thrones sequel series in development that centered around Jon Snow. But I thought he didn't know anything. Well, he doesn't know what's happening next. I guess not. We don't either. Writing on his blog, instead of writing in his book, George R. R. Martin revealed the project's working title is Snow. Been a little on the nose, dude, but okay. <laughs> Melia Clark noted in an interview with the BBC that Kit Harrington is deeply involved with the project. Quote, he has told me about it, Clark says, and I know it exists. It's happening. It's been created by Kit, as far as I can understand, so he's in it from the ground up. 
So, what you will be watching, hopefully, if it happens, <laughs> is Certified by Kit Harrington. Hmm, how much does Amelia Clark actually know about this? <laughs> the author also said he's involved with the creative side. Quote, I am involved, just as I am with the Game of Thrones prequels and the works, The Hedge Knight and the Sea Snake and 10,000 Ships, and all the animated shows, he wrote. Quote, kids, team have visited me here in Santa Fe and worked with me and my own team of brilliant, talented writer slash consultants to hammer out the show again instead of writing the damn book. Yes. <laughs> so for those of you who wanted more Jon Snow. Here's more Jon Snow. Here's more Jon Snow. Um, last we left him, he was going back up to the wall. And I don't know what the purpose of the wall being built is because... It was originally built to keep the White Walkers out, and then the White Walkers got through. So, so much for the damn wall. Walls don't work. Guess not. No. It's like Hades, like Hades Town told me. Yep. Anyway. <laughs> Let's move on. Anyway, oh, yeah. yeah. I have to tell you, we saw it come from away. Oh, yeah. No, I have I to still, talk about that. Yeah. I have to tell you about that. Anyway, uh, that's it for that story. We watched a couple of things, a couple streaming shows. Yeah, uh, Netflix and uh, Disney Plus here. So uh, what do you want to talk about first? Uh, we'll just wrap up the finale for yes. Obi-Wan Kenobi because yeah. that happened this past week. Um, and I'm still a bit torn whether I actually liked it. Okay, I liked it a lot better than I did Boba Fett okay. or Mando Fett because it turned into Mando 2.5. <laughs> yeah. uh, I liked it a lot better than Boba Fett. Whether we needed the... Uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi story, I'm not sure, especially yeah. when... Need is a word. Need that, is a strong yeah, word. strong word for anything. Especially days. when um, <laughs> it feels like it's made to fill in gaps yes. of lore that may or may not needed to have been filled in, <laughs> but then at the same time kind of formed its own gap in between it. Yeah, okay. Uh, especially, um, so what we did was we watched the finale, and then we immediately turn on because Disney Plus, uh, episode four, and show like how it transitions right into it. And so there's a lot of different like neat lore stuff in there that you're like, oh, that's connected to here now. Now I get like where that's from. But had you not watched Kenobi, you'd be like, okay, it's just a thing. Hmm. But now with Kenobi, it's a thing with lore, <laughs> and that's kind of what Obi Wan feels like. Is that it's there to help propel more lore into Episode Four: A New Hope, where there wasn't lore to begin with because it was the first film, and they're kind of building off of it. Yeah. So this is Kenobi building in the lore within it. Of hey, remember that ship Luke was flying around just handheldly? Guess what? There's lore behind it now. Remember when like Darth Vader had that scar? Guess what? There's lore behind it now. <laughs> remember when this thing happened to? Like, on this one planet, guess what? Like, it was just a single line, like, throwaway line in episode four, but guess what? There's lore now for it. Because of course there is. Because of course there is. Uh, And it's part of, like, fitting the square, the round holes in the square peg that... (laughs) You mean the square peg in the round hole. I know what I said. (laughs) Because you're already dealing with the finished product. So, as we do with most prequels, you have to get your hero to have influence on those already happened events. Mm-hmm. It's it's a paradox where you need this to actually happen because it exists in the future. Okay. And I'll get to paradoxes in a little bit because Umbrella Academy. Yeah. But for the most part, Kenobi is a lot better 
and a lot more easier to digest and understandable than other Star Wars products that, that have come out. Yeah. That being said, Bad Batch season two gonna crush it. <laughs> Just a reminder: the animated stuff is in different league. Yes, it is. Yeah. And it well deserves to be in different <laughs> league, which is why I hate when Dave Filoni brings in his animated characters yeah. into the Star Wars universe. Like, no, keep action. them. Keep them over here. I know it's his way of saying, but they're connected. Right. I'm going to connect them because I have that power. Well, I'm sure I'm that's like, coming from the top. I'm sure that that that's saying, oh, like, yes. no, we want all this connecting. It's hey, like please include at least one character from your animated show into these things. Yeah. So we can say that the animated show is connected and make people go watch it. Yep. Yep. Uh, but uh, overall, uh, so yeah, you said it was like like probably the better of these series, at least like cohesively. Like cohesively, yeah. yes. Um, so now I need people I need to talk about um, Ravenna in here, third sister. Okay. The um, we're gonna start with you as the main villain, but then we're not gonna give you the main villain title because we brought in Darth Vader, who is the main villain. Yes. And I feel like they did her dirty. She yeah. has so much potential, yeah. so much, um, so much path forward. Especially being an Inquisitor and now the remainder of the Jedi, that to immediately give her a, uh, it is a redemption arc, but it doesn't feel like an earned redemption arc. It's the I I saw myself in you, and I saw what I was going to become, and I didn't want that. Even though, like, the whole series, it's she's going down that path, going down that path, mm-hmm. going down that path. And at the last second, you do a heel turn. Kind of the same thing with Darth Vader. If you're going down <laughs> the path, you're going down the path. I'm the dark, I'm the dark, I'm the dark. And yeah. then in episode uh, six, heel turn. Because, son. You only do it so many times. Yeah, you only heel turn so many times in Star Wars before you realize, hey, you're just doing the same thing over and over again. Right, right. It, it's not new, and it's... The abrupt heel turn is what gets me because yes, the you can do enough with like visual and imagery to suggest the heel turn and to say like this is where it's happening, but then you don't really give the payoff of okay they did the heel turn but we don't really see how it progresses going forward because this yeah. character never appears in any other Star Wars <laughs> never even mentioned in any other Star Wars right. so, so we can't make it so important that you're like wondering about that exactly yeah uh, my thought is that. They're based on audience reception that the um, dropped um, Defenders of the Republic show, which uh, Gianna Toronto was supposed to have. Yeah. Because that dropped, they now have an open project to fill, and it was supposed to be this new uh, actor uh, to fill that role and, be, and go on their own adventure away from the main Star Wars canon, yeah. only to eventually... Because the show has to link up with um, Ashoka, Ahsoka Tano in the Ahsoka series, <laughs> which is also happening, yeah. and how that's going to connect. And it's that's just me speculating over there. But, you know, when you have all these dots and you need to make them connect, there's only so many ways <laughs> you can make a Jedi, the Jedi's connect. And it's like, oh, they have to meet eventually because... They're the only other like existing Jedi's that we currently know about until you introduce more Jedi's in, that somehow also survived Order right. sixty six, which you know, as we know, 
already established that it was a complete wipeout extermination yeah. of the Jedi. You can't so you just can't just them. keep making up new Jedi's that say, "Oh, these guys survived." Also, oh, no. when your like your freaking masters didn't survive. I don't know. This this series at this point has now established a precedent precedent where as long as you say the word somehow uh, before anything, anything is possible. So well, who knows? No, the word is not somehow. It's somehow. from a certain point of view. <laughs> <Dude>. <laughs> yeah, they've just been doing this forever. Anyways. Yes. Anyways, yes. Oh, that's another like plot hole that they try and fill it with Kenobi from a certain yeah, point right, of view. Exactly, because they have to, because it's the line, right? Yes. Oh god. Yeah. Anyway, well, it was supposed to be just a hand wavy motion of right. just like, oh, don't like think don't, don't think about it too much. <laughs> we're gonna make you think about it, and we're gonna give you like concrete evidence um, <laughs> in Kenobi. Um, that being said, a lot of like that lore happens in that final episode. So does it need the five episode build up for it? Mm-hmm. Maybe not. I mean, it's just gonna be done in a three episode arc, honestly. <laughs> well, anyway, and so that's Obi Wan Kenobi. May or may not be getting a season two because it said season finale and not series finale. Right. I Unlike think they Wandavision, say, did. they did say they want to do another one. So we'll see. We shall see. Meanwhile, yeah, but then where do you go? Because. Remember, Obi-Wan is supposed to be a hermit. I know, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. He's you not can't. supposed to be going around saving people. He's a hermit in the desert. <laughs> I know, it's so weird. Anyway, Stop breaking your own lore. Just watch Miss Marvel instead. Anyway. Oh, I'm loving Miss Marvel so I far. wait to talk about that when that wraps up. When that finale. We are enjoying it so much. Yes. All right. Unfortunately, anyway. when it does wrap up, we have one year to wait for ah. the Marvels. Because that's a July 2023 film. Yeah. But it's enjoyable if you have not... This is the Media Boat Podcast saying that if you've not started or uh, caught up on Ms. Marvel yet, what are you doing? Stop listening to this podcast and go watch it. Stop listening to other people telling you not yes. to watch it and go watch it. Absolutely watch it. It's so much fun. Yeah. Anyways. Anyway, speaking of superheroes and the superhero genre. Kinda, yeah. Sort of. People with superpowers. Yes. The Umbrella Academy Season 3. Yeah. Netflix is up. Uh, Christy's also uh, catching up on this at the moment. Mm-hmm. Is she in season three or She is in two? season three. Okay. She's up to date. But yeah, I mean catching up like she hasn't finished all, right. all the episodes yet of season three. So uh, last we left off with the Umbrella Academy, they once again stopped the world from <laughs> ending. They love to do that. Yeah, they love to do that. Yeah, they did at the end of season one and then the end of season two. <laughs> and, you know, season three, what are you going to do except... Try and make the world end again. <laughs> right, yeah, what else? What else uh, but uh, because they end, uh, they saved the world in season two back in like 1963, when they try to travel back to the present, it's a completely different present that they're tra- traveling back into, which brings up the grandfather paradox of if they never went through their own births, their own like destiny, <laughs> and their own training, how can they still exist in this future in which none of that ever occurred? Mm-hmm. And thus you get the tra- the grandfather paradox of um, their moms were killed before they were born, yet somehow they exist. And so the world and thus the universe cannot correlate that they are existing outside of this reality and thus everything's kind of imploding on itself. Mm-hmm. And like a big black hole kind of implosions kind of thing. It does still follow the comic books, especially with the Hotel Obsidian um, storyline. Not quite the same from the comics, because the Hotel Obsidian comics was supposed to be a jail for the people that they capture and put away. 
but it's just now a hotel. So it takes a lot of liberty, especially with what they kind of have left over. And I really mean what they have left over, because at the end of the season here, they are at the end of the comic book run currently. They've caught up. They've hit the Game of Thrones line, mm-hmm. where their story has officially caught up to where they are in the comic books, and going forward, it's going to be whatever the showrunners create with the uh, comic book artists themselves um, to maybe make a season four. I don't know if season four has even been announced yet. Uh, but the actual story of season three, <sighs> how much treading of the same <laughs> stuff can we go over yeah. yet again? Dysfunctional family, quotes around family there, <laughs> is very dysfunctional and going up a team that is a family. Um, they do put in the storyline of Elliot Page making the transition in right. here. Yes. Um, Done well, though. They're doing it interesting. It. Uh, yeah. yeah, Christy was talking to me about how, what their approach with it was, is that at the beginning of this season, uh, the character has not uh, transitioned. Some episode so, two. Well, but, of course, the actor has. And yes. So it's really interesting to see what they did oh, and they, how they wrote acting. it in. Uh, they are acting. Yeah, so it's it, 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 the transition happens during the story, yes. and there is a turn. Um so yeah, I, I, I was wondering how they were going to approach that, uh, but yeah, from actually seeing how they did it, it, seemed like they did it very gracefully. Yes. So yeah, I liked how they did it. It's mm-hmm. very, it's not in your face, but it's also very step by step. Right. Like here's how the the character figured this out. figured this out for themselves, yes. and how they're going forward with it, and how they're telling everyone else about it. Yeah. And there's a moment there where like someone does dead name. But they do it on accident because they've been away and they don't know that this has happened. Right. And then they immediately get like reprimanded and mm-hmm. like, well, this happened while you're gone. Like, well, what else happened? Like, oh, this happened and this happened and this happened. And they're getting all caught up. And right. Like, it's okay. part of it. It's part of like getting everyone on the same page in the same universe. But once they correct that, going forward, no one ever does yeah. it again. It's a very gentle way and realistic. I yeah. Think, general realistic of how way. that would happen in this situation in real Especially life. Especially like when you don't see someone for very long and then all of a sudden you see them and it's like, yeah. oh, I'm this new person now. And I'm not a new person. I'm yeah. now who I've always been. Goes to show you that when you make something about somebody's experience, having somebody who lived that experience there in the room to consult mm-hmm. is very important. So you get that very realistic version of probably something that happened to Elliot in his life. Yes. Where he probably had that conversation with somebody and had to explain what happened. Mm-hmm. And so to see that replicated in the art that he's in is very cool. And yeah, it just goes to show you inclusion matters, representation matters, and this stuff is important. Mm-hmm. Anyways. But I'm glad that it's uh, it's doing its same thing, even though it seems to be treading a little bit of water. It is definitely treading water, especially yeah. in season three. It does some very questionable stuff, <laughs> especially in how you upgrade the powers that be for the existing characters, because it seems like everyone does get a power upgrade uh-huh. um, as they use their powers more. But then you realize, well, couldn't they have gotten those powers before? But you know, it's part of like a teaching moment, and student becomes a master, learning and uh, was like iron sharpens iron kind of thing. Uh-huh. Um, but gone is the whole time travel. Um, society that was the overhanging arching for season one and season two mm-hmm. and instead season three is just 
end of the world. We don't need an extra villain here. It's just end of the world, which I kind of like. It was a nice breath of fresh air where it's not like, oh, you're fighting constantly against all these battles. It's just one thing you kind of have to get come together to stop. Right. But at the same time, that's kind of like what kind of what the hook was for the first two seasons. Yeah. Was there's a lot of time travel shenanigans going on, and you kind of yeah. eliminate that for season three. Well, I mean, we'll see how it wraps up, and then like where they go from here. I mean, it did wrap up. Yeah, if it know, ends but... here. I think you can end it here and not really, like, everyone kind of goes their separate ways, not really have a season four. Just be like, okay, if they save the, I mean, spoilers, like, good guys win. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, do they? Technically? I'm not uh, sure. It's it's like that gray area where, yes, they won, but no, they didn't win. I don't want to, like, spoil it because it just yeah. came out. Well, when um, Christy finishes it up, I'll let you know what she thinks about it. Uh, okay. But, yeah, she's still working through season three here. But yeah, more more Umbrella Academy. People love it. So. Yeah. I think it does one of those... It does hit the ending well where it's like they win, but also no one wins, and yet everyone wins. So it's really weird and interesting to have that as a finale, and yet somehow work for the Umbrella Academy of like yeah. what they've been working for for the past three seasons. Well, we'll see what they do next. Anything else in the world of television before we move on? Um, I'm catching up on MasterChef. Uh, junior or regular? Regular. Okay. Um, so, speaking of the, that, though, it's cool that they brought some of the junior oh, yes. kids back. <laughs> and now they're like 18. They're all adults <laughs> now. <laughs> like, what happened? Where did this happen? Like, the Shane the Train kid. Yes. Like, that was the same guy. Yes. <laughs> so weird. But yeah, that's been fun. Um, ca- like I said, ca- uh, caught up on Ms. Marvel. Um, yeah, just trying to get in, in our, our uh, neck of the woods. TV-wise. Yeah, um, nothing else. Oh, other finale that happened, I just yeah. remembered. Time Traveler's Wife. Yeah. Um, you stuck, that, a, stick with that? I stuck with it. Okay. Um, apparently, it was only six episodes because like, yeah. I logged into HBO one day, and it was said, hey, the finale. I'm like, but it's only like six episodes. What is this? Like, yeah. where's my 10 season on this? Yeah. Uh, but I think it's too short. Okay. For it being six episodes. Um that being said, it does hit all the major points, and it does kind of leave some future stuff to happen. It doesn't really wrap up the big mystery at the that happened at the end of the first episode. Yeah. Uh, but it is time travel, so <laughs> I think it's one of the better time travel um, kind of mediums out there, especially how it's been written. One of the better versions of that storytelling. Yeah. yeah. Well, especially because time travel is very spontaneous. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like learning, like what you see what happens in the future, but you also time travel to the past. And when your present self time travels to the future, you're away from what's happening in the present. Mm-hmm. So you're kind of like, do I, do you need to learn what's happening, in order to like repeat that process? And it's a fun way of going about it. It definitely has that full on love story within it that I was a sucker for and sucked me <laughs> into it. Uh, but really well done. I don't know if it needs a season two. It kind of like leads everything off in like a nice way, but at the same time, it's uh, there are definitely some stories they could definitely go into. Oh, I'm sure. The season two. Okay. Um, it's not something I've been watching, but a couple of PSAs for some animated shows. 
Uh, the End of Amphibia is now available on Disney+. Plus. So if you missed the uh, Disney Channel run, now you can catch up and see the finale. So I hate that it was only four episodes past the bomb right. that they dropped. Yeah, you had to wait. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah, if you missed that, now you can watch the finale on Disney+. Plus. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, season two of Tuca and Birdie is finally on HBO, HBO Max. Max this week, yes. which is perfect timing for people to catch up for season three, which is July 11th. Uh, note about that as well, it will still be on Adult Swim uh, at midnight, uh, but the day after, mm-hmm. it will be immediately uploaded on HBO Max from now on. So if you do not have cable but you do have HBO Max, you can now watch the new episodes of Tuca and Birdie just a day late. Just a day late. Just a de- delay? Yeah, just a day delay. So, All right, so, so it's cool. on the 11th. Yeah, so you will be 12th. able to watch it every Tuesday after. Every Tuesday. So okay. It's very cool. I'm glad they're doing it that way so more people can see uh, Tuca and Birdie because, uh, hey, uh, I said it last year and I'll say it probably again this year. It's a best show on television. <laughs> if you say so. <laughs> according, to, according to me. According to you. All right, let's move on then into cancellations and renewals. What am I no longer watching? No longer watching as opposed to what you're looking forward to. Uh, this is a very 2022 sentence. Woke got canceled. <laughs> yeah. uh, to be specific, the, pay, the, the television show Woke got canceled, as in there will be no more episodes of it, after season two <laughs> on Hulu. Uh, killing it. We'll get a second season on Peacock. Dark Winds will get a second season on AMC. Working Moms, with an apostrophe, will get a seventh season, but it will be its finale on Netflix. That is a Canadian broadcasting television show. Snowpiercer, its fourth season will be its finale on TNT. I believe we already knew that that would be wrapping up. Uh, That was still a bubble show. Uh, Okay. But I mean, everything pointed to it being yeah. a one more finale. Was well, it was either it was going to be the finale of the third or the episode of the fourth. But yeah. uh, then one death this week: Brett Tuggle, age seventy, a keyboardist who worked with Fleetwood Mac and David Lee Roth. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Let's move on into the last section today, which is movies, and we always start the movie section with the weekend box office numbers. Your number one movie is still Jurassic World Dominion with another fifty-nine point one million dollars. That's sitting pretty with $250 million domestic. Coming at number two and disappointing to Disney is Lightyear with a measly $50.5 million debut. Uh, that, not necessarily a bomb, but definitely underperforming for Pixar standards. I mean, this is Pixar not debuting at number one. Right. What has the world come to? I mean, no one cares no is one the cares. thing. Is that we knew, we saw right away when they announced this thing. It's like, who is this for? And apparently audiences don't know either. Because Lightyear is not doing the numbers that they hoped it would. In I still have problems with it so as a concept. Do, yeah, what do you think, though? Because I feel like this is an interesting thought experiment to try. What if this was in reverse where back in March they did, or whatever month that was, they did put out Turning Red in theaters. And instead, Lightyear was their direct-to-streaming one. Do you think that Turning Red would have done better than $50 million? Ooh. That's my question. I don't know. I don't think... You don't think so? Well, let's take a look at what was coming out in right, March. Right, I don't know what its competition was. Doctor was Strange. in March, I don't remember if it was. Yeah, it would have been in March. I think Doctor Strange was the only other competition in March. Yeah, you're right. I guess Doctor Strange, they would, it, would, it would have been demolished. Well, no, it would have come out before as the family like, right. alternative to it. No, but 
Yeah, that would be Disney competing with themselves. Yes. I don't know. I honestly don't know. Um, that's why it's an interesting thought experiment because I want to believe that it would have done better, but there's no way of knowing. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, they figured summer release that you put it back later. It's got the Toy Story backing behind that. People know the name Lightyear. Yeah. You know, it's got a lot of like check marks, which we, as we talked about here, that in a business. You're going to look for the yeah. check marks of, like, okay, but this works, this works, this works, get the guarantee. But I think this proves it. That that's not necessarily a guarantee. Is oh, that, and we'll get to that in our yeah. little news, news bits here. We will. But before that, let's round out your top five here. Number three, Top Gun Maverick made another $44.6 million. That's sitting at $466 million domestic. I think we can safely say that is your movie of the summer. Yes. Number four, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, another $4.4 million. 405 is that total right now. It's going to teeter off because Dark Strange and Multiverse of Madness now available on yes. Disney+. Plus. And number five, Bob's Burgers movie hanging in there with another $1.1 million. That's at a respectable 29.8. I honestly don't think they expected it to make more money than this. Uh, that will be going to HBO Max. Yes, and where it will make up a lot more money that way. Yes. <laughs> Upcoming this week, um, if you're not sick of Elvis and you don't want to see that again, we have a couple of big releases for you. Mr. Malcolm's List, which appears to be, um, I'm not sure what this is. A period, a period drama. piece. So there you go. Yeah, um, this said wide release. I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is, but it's there. But honestly, the big release, though, is, of course, Minions. The Minions are back in Minions colon The Rise of Gru. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you have children, uh, you're seeing this next week. Sorry. I'm 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 just here to break the news to you. You are going to be in a theater watching Minions with a bunch of children. Or you just put on Minions 2 and <laughs> on TV and let them think they're watching Minions 3. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? <laughs> All right, let's move on to our first news story for film this week. Cine Europe. If you don't know what Cine Europe is... Then you're in the U.S. <laughs> yeah, well, it is apparently a European, basically, film expo, right? Yes. Yeah. So well, we have CinemaCon here that takes place right. in Vegas. Is the equivalent to that. This is the equivalent of that in Europe. So we have some bits for you coming from the Cine Europe uh, stage, I guess. There probably is Conferences, yeah. First up, studios look like they will be cutting back on big IP tentpoles. Universal spokespersons came out saying that their films will have, quote, something for everyone. Adding, quote, we can't survive on superheroes and big IP alone. Paramount echoed that message, saying, From powerful franchises to high-quality storytelling from some of the world's most extraordinary filmmakers, Paramount has something for everyone. Even Sony Pictures reminded the attendees that movie ev- uh, event movies come in all sizes, and likewise promise something for everyone. So you see a lot of studios being getting ahead of a probably light release year and yes. being like, Hey, we're not going to give you every big, sh- big earth-shattering, CG-filled movie every month. We're going to give you some safer, smaller choices. Yep, this is them cutting back, saying that yeah. we're not going to go for the hard R, PG-13 um, IP temple that you may be interested in, but instead going for the G-rated base hits that people are going to go to the cinema because there's something, like you said, something for everyone. Yeah. Let's just repeat the talking point. Yeah. There's something for everyone. This could be, this sounds like uh, business jargon, but... It could also be good. Like, this is also could be a move away towards every movie has to be earth-shatteringly huge. Mm-hmm. That might be good for movies. Not so, everything has to be world-ending. Right. So Marvel. It could be exciting <laughs> to see what happens. 
Next bit, highlighted films like Top Gun Maverick, Doctor Strange, Jurassic World Dominion, and even The Batman, all of which grossed $650 million plus globally, were shown as examples for releasing first and exclusively into cinemas as the best way for studios to unlock the potential revenue of their content. This is obvious. Uh, we don't need to tell you this. The studios don't need to tell you this. Of course it is. Event movies sell at box office even during the pandemic. We've been proving this over and over again. So putting these two stories back to back, to back expect tentpole movies to still premiere in theaters and be... Yes. And go away from the HBO model of day and date release. That was a pandemic thing. I was happy when we did it. But that's not the way they're going to continue, unfortunately. But you will see, and this is something we talked about way back when all this stuff was starting, you will see that needle move on smaller releases. Still, those something for everyone movies are going to be the ones that have the streaming releases who have these tighter windows. So at least that is a change that is happening and very real. Yep, like Downtown Abbey, currently streaming on Peacock. But of course, theater chains got to get some too. And they were talking about premium being their buzzword this year. Uh, 4DX, ScreenX, IMAX, Dolby, and premium large format screens represented a huge part of the box office total and should continue to be a focus for those in the industry. Premium not only referred to the format, but also luxurious high-end bespoke and curated cinema experiences so yes in an era where fewer people are seeing movies state uh movie uh chains want them to pay more not just that in, in an era where people are having surround sound more readily available yeah um not just in sound bars but surround sound equipment yeah in their homes yeah um, as that technology becomes cheaper and cheaper to make and harness yeah. that making a reason to go to the movie theater experience Making it an event to go. And we also talked about this uh, last year. We we mentioned several times, like, the way that they combat this is try to sell you on large format, sell you on luxury eat-in experiences, sell you on accoutrement beyond just watching the movie. I mean, Top Gun Maverick almost sold me on seeing it again on screen (laughs) X. Yeah. Because it was a 70-degree screen. So it's like, oh, like, complete, like, full wide. wide I'm telling you, you've got to see it in D-Box. Where is D-Box? I think it was Lightyear that was doing the 4DX version Uh, of it. Yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah, pretty cool. Not for Lightyear. I forgot which one it was. But yeah, but this is in addition to the IMAX and Dolby Atmos that we've come to know and expect as the premium large font that they're going to build more into premium. Cool stuff, but get ready to pay a lot more for it. I wonder if the curated cinema experiences include like having double features, especially for Mm. IPs. Maybe. Um, Because I know that, like, case in point, there was a a back-to-back feature of Top Gun and then Top Gun Maverick uh, when it was released. Thor is doing the same thing. Um, we're going to see all three Thors going <laughs> into Thor 4. It's a lot of Thor. Yeah, they call him the greatest of all Thor. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> all right. Anyway. Uh, but yeah, uh, events like that where yeah. you are going you can pair it with previous films in their catalog. But that is only for IP events. I wonder. Maybe there should be thinking out there. Mm-hmm. If they do any double features, bring maybe. those back. Yeah, that'd be neat. Still do it in drive-ins. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Next up. Just a wrap-up of other talking points included during the Cine Europe uh, experience. 
of course, the China marketplace. Oh, sorry, these are topic. absent talking points. Oh, absent. Sorry, you said ascent, and I thought it was like, are they ascending? Oh, no, sorry. There's a B <laughs> in there. All right. Absent. So stuff that was not talked about, uh, notably gone from the conversation, were the China marketplace, a hot topic lately, Russia no longer remitting receipts back to U.S. content providers, Actor legal troubles, including Johnny Depp's Amber Heard's and Ezra Miller's. We have not even gone into, <laughs> waded into what they, the, the trouble that they are causing uh, lately. There's too much of a can of worms for us to get into. Uh, and fully addressing relationships with independent theater owners and the rising cost of living around the world. But hey, you know what? There's always stuff that they just don't have time to get into when you're trying to sell people on IMAX screens. <laughs> When you're trying to convince people to come to a movie theater and buy your IPs, you know, you kind of don't want to say that, oh, like, buy our IP, but we can't get it into China, or Russia's not telling us what's selling good over there. Yeah, what are you going to do? Or, you know, actor troubles, like, you don't want to, I don't know what Warner Bros. is even going to do with the the Flash film. Honestly, they said that they were going to just do it anyways. There was too much to change for them to uh, take Ezra out. But it just keep, the story keeps getting worse and worse and worse every week. Mm-hmm. And so, do they just shelve it? This is what they do. I don't know. They make a thousand copies. They go into the middle of the New Mexico desert. <laughs> they dig a pit. Bury it next to ET. Bury it next to ET. Who knows? Anyways, let's move on. You watched a couple of movies. I watched a couple of movies. Um, so for Father's Day, my father had a the option. <laughs> Provided with the option. Yes. Do you see Lightyear or do we see Jurassic World Dominion? Okay. Guess which one he picked. Uh not Lightyear. Yes, because Lightyear was seen as a kid's movie. <laughs> yes. And I'm not a kid. No. And he doesn't want to be reminded of taking me to the movies as a kid. <laughs> so say we saw Jurassic World Dominion. <laughs> right, yes. Um and yeah. there's ideas there. Okay. I like ideas. There's good ideas there, but at the same time, this is the sixth film yeah. in the Jurassic franchise. How many times do we have to get the idea that messing with genetics is <laughs> a bad idea? A bad idea. Even if you have the good intention, there's always going to be a corporation out there that's going to take what you've done as something good and turn it into something bad. Right. How many times do we have to be reminded of this? Six, apparently. I mean, I guess. At least. At least. Um, how many times do we have to be reminded that both the new cast and the old cast exist in the same world? That yes. The same Jurassic world. Jeff Goldblum, still around. Yes. Still, still being, trying to be sexy Goldblum. Still finding a way. Yes. Um... There's a lot of good ideas, a lot of good checkmark boxes on here. It's like, yes, you have the old team and the new team meet up. Um, you have checkbox of like of aerial combat here with dinosaurs. You have chasing with dinosaurs and raptors because we like chasing around oh, raptors, yeah. chasing people uh, on motorcycles. That's why you buy the ticket? Yeah, you know, there's a lot of good checkbox marks, checkbox marks in here, <laughs> but the actual like overflowing story. Does not quite work, especially when you're trying to take what was from a fallen kingdom and move forward with those stories of the dinosaurs being out in the world. I got to try and herd the meat-eating ones into one location because 
You can't just have them out terrorizing normal people. The herbivores are fine, but not the carnivores. <laughs> um, you need to... It also kind of follows on the genetic clone from uh, Fallen Kingdom as well. Uh, I still don't know if that was a good idea or not. <laughs> I still I haven't I haven't landed either way if that was a good idea or a bad idea. It's like I'm part yeah that was a good idea. That's the next logical step. But at the same time, is it the logical step in Jurassic World universe <laughs> when you're dealing with dinosaurs and trying to Combined, uh, what what where it started with missing dino DNA with frog DNA, yeah, and now we're getting to messing around with human DNA and genetics, and again, there's like real world applications with it, and like there's real world like advances in technology going hand in hand with this knowledge, yeah, but I'm kind of like the odd ball in that I know this is stuff that is currently happening. I don't think your general public knows this is currently happening and this is seen as like a warning that as good as the corporations promise this, there's also the huge bad side that can come with this. And it feels like it's trying to both raise awareness about this rising threat that may or may not exist but, you know, throw dinosaurs in it so it's not, like, actually affecting humans. It's affecting dinosaurs. Mm. And you're supposed to make a correlation between it. Like, if they can do it with dino- dinosaurs, maybe they can also do it with humans. And that's mm. why this kid was involved. And okay. Seems like they're overcomplicating it. They are. <laughs> Especially when the Star Wars movie starts with both your A-plot a and B-plot of we need to protect uh, the kid. And then your B plot is, but wait, we have this like ongoing hunger, like modified locust kind of thing going on where the locusts are eating the crops that aren't from, aren't um, like HGMO'd with the uh, Biosyn company. Yes, they're called Biosyn. (laughs) I've been hurt trying to think of it. It's it's hard. I I don't. (laughs) So do you think this is why the the critics are really yes. just trashing this thing? Is because it tries to do way too much and it's all muddled kind of mess. And so it's not simple. It's, is it distracting from the moment to moment I want to see cool dinosaur shit? Very much so, yeah. because the actual like dinosaurs while they're there and they're cool. I mean, you gotta bring in a new dino because you gotta have a new dino. So are they done with uh Colin Trevorrow? Yes. This is him. Like they gave him too many tries and now he hasn't proven himself. I don't think it's too many tries. I think it's, um, well, no one else can figure out what you wanted to do after Fallen Kingdom. <laughs> right. And apparently you have a plan. So instead of um, end up having like what uh, Star Wars did, where. Funny enough, they also got rid of Colin Trevorrow yeah. for uh, episode nine and right. brought back J.J. Uh, Abrams to try and fix his mess that he started with episode seven. <laughs> this is just Colin Trevorrow being given the, just finish it, just make sure you hit these check marks and we'll be good. Yeah. But apparently they're not, though. And I feel like now the series now goes off on a weird note. 
where it kind of wraps up again, just like it did the first trilogy, on a weird minor key where people are disappointed in it. Oh, even the end of that third film yeah. um, left with a weird with a weird note because That's what I'm saying. Yeah, the, uh, the pterodactyls again. were seen flying off to go find a new land, and yet they never brought yeah. it up in Jurassic World. Well, I'm mostly one. saying big picture, like people did not like Jurassic Park three. Yeah. And so they're doing this again. It's the same trajectory, is that the sequels are never going to be what that first one did. I mean, say what you will about Jurassic World. I thought it was fine when it came out. I like Jurassic did World. did not like it. Really? Well, yeah. Criti- I like Jurassic World, it but it's just well. gotten, like... I really the liked have gotten... Fallen Kingdom, though. I'm that weird guy who was like, this is good. Yeah, I'm the, yeah I didn't like Fallen Kingdom. <laughs> I dug it. It I felt kind of like Monster in the House. That's what I loved about but it. But that's what you loved about it. It was because they were like... No, this can be whatever we want it to be. We're going to have fun with it. To me, it's the last Jedi of the Jurassic Park franchise. They were just like, no, we don't have to follow these arbitrary rules of what mm-hmm. a Jurassic Park movie should be. Let's just make a fun horror movie with cool ideas. Well, for me, that just means <laughs> that they took the kitchen scene with the raptors <laughs> yes, and, made, and it made it a movie out of and it. That's great. But they had the front load that movie with getting the damn dinosaurs off the island i know but i enjoyed what it was because it tried things and it seems like this one is a little safer and suffers because of it i think my problem with this film was that it was a geographical jumpingness couldn't keep track of where you were well no i could keep track of where i was because they literally had to put it on the screen this is where you (laughs) are god until they finally got everyone on Dino Island or di- into Dino Mountain, right. and they, they they dropped it. But before that, it was we're going to jump here. Now we're going to jump here. Now we're going to jump here, and we're going to jump back here. Yeah. Oh, uh, how's Bryce Dallas Howard? Actually, does stuff in this. Hey, love to hear it. Yeah, I mean, especially I when about. you open with her actually doing stuff. Yeah, we don't need to talk about the crispy rat. So I'm just curious. About, <laughs> I'm just curious about my girl Bryce. She's so, so good. You mean going behind the camera, Bryce? Yeah. Hey, you know, good for her. Yeah. Really branching all sorts of things. Worked for worked for her dad. Worked for her dad. <laughs> all right. Let's, uh, so, yeah. Well, you so, know, I mean, like, we want to know because her dad wasn't cute anymore. Aw. Uh, so, yeah. He lost the, the, the cute young at a very young age and became yeah. the Peter Billingsley behind the camera. So that's, Also behind the camera stuff. So that's Jurassic World Dominion. You also watched something else. Yeah, I, I caught up on Netflix's Spiderhead. Spiderhead. Uh, with Chris Hemsworth and uh, Miles Teller. Ugh. Well, <laughs> can't all be winners. Um, long story short, this is Love Potion number nine. <laughs> okay. That's just that's what it is. It's um. It's using drug trials on human subjects and uh-huh. trying to get the want the results needed. Um, but the twist here is that the people they are trying them on are people who are on death row but saved from a medical company so they can run human experience uh, these human tests on them. And if this sounds very familiar to you. <laughs> And you know exactly where this story is going. Yeah. You're going to get overrun. You got to get overthrown. You can't keep the secrets forever. You're going to get the drug tested immediately on you because you're testing it on your subjects. It's it's all the same notes for rote. It's a very <laughs> safe movie if you're looking for one of those uh, like shady medical stuff going on. Yeah. 
doesn't do anything special. It tries to have a good twist, but it's not a good twist. It's just, uh, oh, like we just decided to name it this because of XYZ reason. Mm. And that's basically all that twist boils down to. If you like me, I'm Miles Teller, he's fine in this. <laughs> he doesn't like yeah. help. He doesn't hurt it. He's just fine in it. Even Chris Hemsworth just fine in it. It feels like <laughs> it's a paycheck for him. It's just, he's not really pulling too many. He's pulling a lot of punches here, but he's trying to uh, be more of like, oh, this is my dramatic side, but I'm also kind of quirky and goofy <laughs> in it as a scientist. But if, can you really buy me as a scientist? <laughs> I don't know. I'm not Dolph Lundgren, who actually has like PhDs and stuff. Yeah. So sounds like some mindless stuff to put on. Yeah. Not great. I don't know if it's the name or just like the <laughs> fact that they're testing like uh, lust drugs and stuff. It's like uh, you're getting kind of close to like date rape drugs and like forcing uh, people to fall in love kind yeah, of thing and obedience. Bad shit bad road you don't want to go down yeah because then you start getting to all the ethical treatments on it and i guess that's why they're testing them on inmates because right, screw right. ethics on them but they're still oh, human beings God. so it's like you got your ethics crossing yeah no, of like which yeah. ones which rules ethic rules do you want to play by and which ones you don't want to play by seems muddy and gross it's very muddy and gross yeah what's not muddy and gross <laughs> is a movie i'll hopefully talk about next week Tomorrow, uh, Christy and I may go to the theaters again and see Marcel the Shell with shoes on. Is that getting a That is wide this week as well. I no, don't know if you saw it. No. It was on my calendar. Well, we're very excited. Uh, I mean, it might, might be under limited. Maybe it's limited. But anyway, uh, we're hopefully going to see if we can check that out. Yeah, limited. 824 limited. limited. Okay. But anyway, so maybe we'll have to talk about 824 just keeps pumping out movies. Yeah. They do. They just they can't stop. Can't yep. stop, won't stop. Can't stop, won't stop. All right, anything else to talk about with movies uh, before we wrap up? We're not going to see Elvis, <laughs> we should say. Oh, yes. <laughs> People are trying to convince me to see Elvis. We're not seeing Elvis. I refuse. Unless it comes out on the streaming. I'm... Yeah, I refuse to spend gonna... money on that movie. All right. Let's wrap okay. it up then. Thank you for joining us. That will be it for movies, and that will be it for the Media Vote podcast this week. Ooh, a quick one for you. Yeah, thanks uh, for uh, tuning in today. No, about the same as last week. Yeah. Uh, about an hour 50. Uh, okay, it was quick before I started talking about my thoughts. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we will be back next week, of course, with another live episode, so tune in for that. You can do so on YouTube. If you go to YouTube.com, search Media Vote Podcast, you can find our channel. Like, subscribe, you know the drill. Um, and you can get notifications when we go live by clicking that bell. We go live usually on Saturday mornings, or you can catch the archive in our, on our channel. If you'd rather listen to us in audio form, traditional podcast style, you can do that as well. We're available on, odd, on podcast services such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Amazon, Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you get your podcasts delivered. Search for Media Boat Podcast, and you'll find us in your ears. You can also find us on social media. We're on Twitter. Our handle is at MediaBoatCast. Facebook, search Media Vote Podcast to find our page. And you can also email us if you have questions, comments, feedback, corrections, anything that you want to say feedback-wise, we will read your emails here on the show if you do so. So email us at... That's not a threat. That's a promise. <laughs> that's a promise and a threat. Uh, media Vote Podcast at gmail.com is that email address. Thank you for joining us this week. We'll be back next week for even more. So have a good week. Stay safe. 
donate to local abortion funds if you can stay positive please have hope in the face of evil and we can pull this out all right see you guys yep. next time Bye-bye. enjoy it and we'll talk to you next week bye all right bye <laughs>